This podcast contains content that will not be suitable for all ages and will contain graphic subject matter. Listener discretion is strongly advised. You are now listening to Beyond Evil, a true crime podcast hosted by Kimberly Carroll. Together, we will explore the dossiers of some of the world's most evil criminals and the crimes they have committed, based on court documents and news reports. This podcast will not be glorifying the accused or convicted, nor will the victims be exploited or further victimized. If you go beyond this point and like what you hear, please subscribe and tell a friend. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Evil, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Kimberly Carroll, and I am so very thankful that you've decided to spend your time listening to Beyond Evil. The case that you are about to hear is going to be very, very disturbing. Please consider this your final trigger warning. The case will also be split into two episodes. There was simply too much information to fit it all into one. If you haven't heard of the case of Adrian Jones, prepare yourself to be horrified and extremely upset. I am choosing to review this case because more than just the father and stepmother deserve to be held accountable. There will be a lot of information shared today, which will be disturbing and unreal. However, the story needs to be told so that people understand and know that it's not okay to be in a position of authority and leave a scared, beaten, and broken child to die alone. These people are given these positions because they are supposed to be helping. Unfortunately for Adrian, he never received the help he deserved. There is no shortage of victims in this case. However, I am focusing on one victim, and his name is Adrian Jones. Adrian Jones had it rough from day one. He was born into a very dysfunctional family, May 2008. Adrian Jones was the fifth of six children born to Diana Pierce. Adrian will be removed from his biological mother after just three short years. Three of Diana Pierce's youngest children, which included Adrian, were handed over to Michael Jones, their biological father, by DCF in 2011. Adrian's stay with his father was nothing short of a prison's. Adrian was forced to stand in filthy water in an unkept swimming pool in the middle of the night for hours in freezing cold. Adrian was blindfolded and strapped to a table. He was forced to eat food off the ground and out of the trash. He was made to drink water out of a cup on the ground with his hands tied behind his back. Adrian was stripped naked, strapped to a chair, and confined to a shower stall for hours. 
there is so much more that this poor baby had to endure all at the hands of his father and stepmother. Most of the abuse Adrian suffered was captured on one of the 32 cameras installed in or around the house Jones rented in Kansas. After Adrian died in a makeshift cell out of a bathroom shower stall with a piece of plywood used to seal him in, Adrian will remain in this shower stall for two weeks after he died. His body will be placed in a livestock pen after the couple intentionally did not feed their pigs for over a week so they would be certain they were hungry enough to consume Adrian's body. This was done with the hopes of removing the evidence of the abuse they inflicted on Adrian. It has been reported in the media that the pigs were bought just for the consumption of Adrian's body. However, earlier calls into DCF state pigs were roaming in and out of the home prior to Adrian's death. Adrian was never reported missing and his death went unnoticed. Adrian would have a death date of September 28th, 2015, but that would not be given by the medical examiner because the medical examiner could not determine an exact date. The date was given by Heather Jones in an interview with a detective the day before Thanksgiving in 2015 when the police were called out on a domestic violence call. Adrian's father, Michael Jones, and stepmother, Heather Jones, both received 25-year life sentences for first-degree murder of Anthony Jones, only seven years old. State agencies, law enforcement, faculty at medical mental facilities, social workers, grandparents, uncles, and the biological mother are all partially to blame for the death of Adrian Jones. They may not deserve 25 to life in prison, but they need to be held accountable for their inability to do their jobs efficiently as caregivers, parents, relatives. If someone dies under your supposed watchful eye, then you should receive more than just an assignment change or a termination. Adrian tried to tell any and everyone who would listen that he was being beaten and starved, but no one believed him or helped him. This was entirely avoidable child homicide. Adrian was seen by over 20 different individuals, all centered around his care by family services, law enforcement, and clinic therapists between the years of 2011 and 2015. Kansas Department of Child and Family claims their last contact with the Jones family was in 2012 when Michael and the kids moved to Missouri. This would not be the case because Adrian died in Kansas. Missouri Department of Social Services has a lengthy record with the Jones family, but there was nothing in his record showing that DCF 
made them aware that the Jones children were not to be around Heather Jones. Secretary Phyllis Gilmore of Kansas DCF admitted caseworkers failed to visit Adrian for three and a half years before his death. She retired in December 2017, two years after Adrian's death, due to the scrutiny over the whole foster care system and how it was ran under her watch. Adrian's grandmother, Judy Conway, is calling for a public inquiry into exactly how the department failed Adrian Jones. However, there is no record of her calling authorities to do a home check on her grandson. There are no records indicating Judy tried to fight in court for the removal of her grandson from his father. There is only one record on file with DCF that she made a phone call to request information. Judy claimed in an interview that she made two calls. Judy never commented on why she didn't demand that Adrian be put under her care when Michael tried to have the state remove Adrian from his care. Judy claims that she saw Adrian the year before his death. However, her eldest granddaughter claims the last time they both saw Adrian was Christmas 2012. Adrian's uncle lived in the house with him for a while. Never once did he try to save or help Adrian. There is video showing Adrian scrounging around for water in the kitchen with a bowl. His uncle, Willie Flowers, walked into the kitchen and you can see by his reaction, his motions and his face, how petrified he was. He never got his water and he exited the kitchen. Never once did his uncle try to help him, feed him, or call authorities. No one permanently removed Adrian from his living hell or saved him from an inconceivable, gruesome death. Both Missouri and Kansas failed Adrian. Instead of removing Adrian from the home, the agency's social workers meticulously investigated, carefully documented every violent kick, punch, slap, and injury inflicted upon Adrian by his father and stepmother. You will hear how the abuse reached such a level that a social worker was forced to temporarily remove Adrian from the home and place him in a facility for medically neglected children. This reprieve was short-lived and Adrian was eventually returned to his abusive parents, despite their protests for the clinic to keep Adrian. The father would express to social workers and faculty that he did not want Adrian back. Nonetheless, Adrian was sent home with Michael and Heather Jones, where he suffered a tragic 
but completely avoidable death at their hands in 2015. Naked, tortured, and starved, Adrian's remains were found discarded in a livestock pen on the family's rented farm in Kansas. The child services agencies and social workers were Adrian's only hope for survival. They could have rescued Adrian at any time. This was their job. But instead of intervening, despite all warning signs, calls, and evidence of mistreatment, they effectively allowed Michael and Heather to continue their abuse and torture while they passed the responsibility between states and file notes. This is why this case needs to be told. I will do my very best to now give you a proper timeline of events to help you understand how Adrian could have been saved on so many different occasions. What you will hear will be the time frame and the several calls placed with child services regarding neglect and abuse that went uninvestigated or were investigated and nothing was done. August 2011. This will be the first call to DCF. Kansas DCF, formerly SRS, received a report that Adrian and his two sisters had failed to be supervised properly. The report reads, SRS completed its investigation by speaking to all relevant persons and has determined that by clear and convincing evidence, the initial allegations of lack of supervision is true and that Diana Pierce is the perpetrator of the abuse and neglect. During the state investigation of neglect by Adrian's mother, the social worker noted Adrian and his sister said someone had been sleeping in Adrian's bed and a man had been playing with Adrian in his bedroom with the door closed. Possible sexual abuse that was never properly reported or investigated. This was a social worker's note. But mind you, Adrian and his sisters were removed from their mother for lack of supervision, not for sexual harassment, sexual abuse, beatings, none of that, just for leaving her children alone in a home. I am not saying that that is a good thing. I'm just pointing out how she lost her kids. But this is just the beginning of the abuse that Adrian would suffer. September 2011, Adrian was three years old when he and his sisters, one older and one younger, were removed from their home with their biological mother and placed with their father and stepmother, Michael and Heather Jones, by DCF. The report produced stated neglect and lack of supervision 
under the care of their biological mother. December 11, 2011. Second call to DCFS. Approximately three months after Adrian was placed with his father and stepmother, a call would be made to the hotline. This will be the first of many reports made on the Jones. The caller indicated that one of Adrian's siblings had lost 23 pounds in 30 days and that Michael Jones had guns all over the house in reach of the children who were all between the ages of 10 and 2. It was also stated that Heather Jones was always high on drugs. No one at DCFS investigated the allegations from this call, but a note was put in a file. Third call to DCFS. Heather Jones, Adrian's stepmother, took his two-year-old sister, her biological daughter, with Michael, to the emergency room, claiming the child had a seizure. However, during the examination, Heather would state that the two-year-old fell down some stairs and then had a seizure. Doctors questioned Heather's statement because the child had internal bleeding and extensive bruising to her forehead that did not add up to falling down stairs. Heather accused Adrian of pushing his sister down the stairs along with hitting her repeatedly in the head with a wooden rod. Heather claimed Adrian was extremely aggressive when his father wasn't home. During the ER visit, doctors also noticed Adrian had a black eye. Heather told the hospital staff, Michael, Adrian's father, hit him for wetting his pants. Michael would be contacted regarding these allegations made by the ER medical providers on both children. Michael told investigators he was separated from Heather at the time because he thought she was on drugs and was acting erratic. Michael was never asked by investigators why his biological children were left in the care of a woman he thought was on drugs. Within days of the incident, several child welfare professionals made contact with the family, including a Topeka police officer, Officer Wall. According to the record, Officer Wall stated, he confirmed Adrian had been hit with a closed fist. Adrian would tell the officer that his father hit him and pushed him down the stairs. The eldest sibling would tell Officer Wall that she could hear Heather choking Adrian in the bathroom at night and it sounded like he was dying. Other children told Officer Wall that Heather only really abuses the kids that are not hers. That would be Adrian and his two sisters. Although the two-year-old taken to the ER was reported as being her biological daughter. With all of this information, the officer would still report back to DCFS social worker Donna Sherlink that Adrian was safe in his current location. During the investigation of this third call, DCFS 
conducted a forensic interview of Adrian's siblings who disclosed their father, Michael Jones, hits Adrian and his sisters on the head, puts them in the corner, hits them on their legs, stomach, and hands. One time, Michael beat them so much, his hands were visibly red. They also stated that Heather, the stepmother, kicked Adrian with boots and hits him in the head with toys and other objects. A social worker interviewed Heather over the phone. The worker reports Heather started crying and states, I would never do anything to hurt them. Adrian was marked as a high risk for abuse by DCFS, but was also deemed safe according to documents. Adrian remained in his father's custody, but Heather's four biological daughters with Michael were removed from their custody and placed with a relative. This was pursuant to a district court order stating emergency removal was needed for the safety of the girls who were in danger of being harmed or injured. DCFS did not remove Adrian or his sisters from his father's care, even though the investigation of the third call involved the father's abuse and neglect of Adrian. Instead of removing Adrian and his sisters, DCFS asked Michael Jones to sign a document promising to keep his children safe from physical abuse and to not physically discipline Adrian and his sisters and not to allow his spouse, Heather Jones, to have contact with the children. January 2012. Michael Jones admitted that he and Heather Jones were back together and she was welcome to visit his home in spite of the order for Heather to stay away from children. DCFS took no action to enforce the document they had Michael Jones, Adrian's father, sign promising to keep Adrian and his sisters safe. DCFS did not remove Adrian from Michael's care. The claims that Heather was abusing the children were found unsubstantiated. According to the records, the children's stories were inconsistent and the abuse could not be proven. Still, Heather was not allowed to be around any children unsupervised. February 2012, an investigator from DCFS interviewed the children at their elementary school after receiving a report that Heather was abusing the kids. This was the report made in that third call from December 2011. The caller stated that Adrian and one of his siblings had scratches over their faces. Evidence of the scratches would no longer be visible three months later, but the investigator still felt it necessary to interview the children. The caller also claimed that Heather choked Adrian because he did not flush the toilet. One of the children stated that he had not seen Heather, stating that Michael didn't want to be with her anymore because she keeps hitting the kids. 
that they were moving to a farm she wouldn't know anything about. The investigator evaluated all the children, including Adrian, and noted that none of them had bruises or scratches because it was three months later. The record shows facts and circumstances do not support a substantial finding by clear and convincing evidence. Heather has not had recent contact with the children, which was verified by the eldest child and her dad, Michael Jones. The children were observed and did not have scratches on their necks, face, or body. There was not clear and convincing evidence Heather physically abused the children. Even though these interviews took place three months after the original call to DCF. September 2012, Kansas DCFS filed a journal entry formalizing the placement of Adrian into his father, Michael Jones' custody. In the district court of Shawnee County, Kansas, this is after two calls of abuse and a year after removal from the biological mother. December 2012, a fourth call to DCFS. Barely three months after Adrian was formally placed with his father, a fourth call would be made to DCFS, reporting that the children of Michael Jones were living in filth and violating the safety plan as Heather was back in the home. DCFS paperwork also shows the children were being spanked until their bottoms bled and pigs were roaming in and out of the house with small children. A social worker made a note in a file but didn't immediately start an investigation. Once the investigation of the fourth call got started, a call would be made to Heather and she would admit to DCFS that Michael spanked the children but denied that the children were bleeding as a result of this. She blamed the injuries on skin conditions. DCFS took no action to remove Adrian or any of the other children from the home. Even though there was documented history of abuse against Adrian in the home. DCFS is the same agency that removed Adrian and his sisters from their biological mother for less. On December 13, 2012, Adrian would be assessed at a family service and guidance center in Topeka, Kansas. Based on claims, Adrian was a danger to himself with diagnosis of disruptive behavior disorder, parent-child relation problems, and a global assessment of functioning score 55. A global assessment of functioning or GAF scale is used to rate how serious a mental illness may be. It measures how much a person's symptoms affect their day-to-day life on a scale from zero to 100. The rating is based on many things, including an interview, a questionnaire, medical records, information from the 
person's doctor, caregiver, or close relatives, police, court records, or just violent, illegal behavior. It's broken down into 10 sections. These are all known as anchor points. The higher the score, the better you're able to handle daily activities. It's designed to help mental health providers understand how well the person can do in everyday activities. The score can help figure out what level of care someone may need and how well certain treatments might work. During Adrian's assessment at the facility, Michael would tell the facility workers that Adrian was bedwetting, stealing, and hoarding food, picking at sores on his body, and lighting fires, all of which is behavior in children, in trauma, preschool age. Basically, those are the characteristics of a victim of child abuse. Conway, Adrian's grandmother, and his sister, his eldest sister, Kiki, visited the Jones family at their home Christmas 2012. They reported back that they found Adrian healthy and happy. That was the last time they would see Adrian. Sometime between the end of December and March 2013, Michael and Heather Jones would pack up the family and move to Missouri. March 2013, fifth call, but the first call to Missouri's Department Social Services. March 4th, 2013, barely three months after the fourth call in Kansas. The report stated that Adrian was forced to stand in the corner for hours as punishment and was forgotten about by his father and stepmother. Adrian was also locked outside and locked in his bedroom. It was stated that Adrian was starting fires. It was also reported that all of the children were living amongst extreme filth and that the house had dead animals in the garage. The caller claimed there were mice and chicken bones littered all throughout the house. Missouri Department of Children's Services, which we'll call DSS, determined the fifth call required a level two response, which is considered a mid-range emergency relating to harm of a child. So on March 4th, the next day, Rebecca Caldwell was assigned by DSS to investigate the call. She's supervised by Jamie Penny. On March 5th, Caldwell started her investigation. She went to the Jones home located in Plattsburgh, Missouri. This is where she conducted her investigation that involved speaking to the stepmother, speaking to the father, speaking to Adrian in front of the stepmother and father. While Adrian was explaining getting locked in his bedroom, Heather interrupted and attempted to offer an explanation. Caldwell 
also interviewed the landlord of the rental property. Caldwell requested records from DCFS in Kansas in September. This is still March. Caldwell reached the conclusion before receiving the records of her investigation into the fifth call that Heather and Michael were residing in the same home, the floors of the home were filthy, and Michael agreed the house was filthy, but explained it away by stating they were just moving in. However, that didn't explain the bags of dead rabbits. There were no locks outside of Adrian's bedroom door, but they were attached to the trim of the door. Michael and Heather admitted to a history with Kansas Social Services for lack of supervision with removal of the children and Heather's attempt to blame it all on Adrian. Because remember, Adrian had her children removed. So even though there's three children in the house, there's four that are not. Adrian disclosed that his father locked him in a bedroom when he was in trouble. DCFS reported Heather physically abused her children and she blamed the children's bruising on falling downstairs. She claims this is why her children were removed, but this was Adrian's fault because he pushed them. On April 5th, 2013, Caldwell returned to the Jones home where she conducted a follow-up investigation. Adrian was interviewed in the presence of Heather, about whether he liked his new home, but he was not interviewed about being abused, starved, or neglected. Adrian appeared to have bruises on his right cheek and his forehead. However, Caldwell did not seek a medical opinion concerning these bruises. Caldwell will later say she concluded the marks as being dirt. On April 7, 2013, Caldwell received a seven-page type report from DCFS from Kansas showing a significant prior history involving Adrian's stepmother, Heather, the lack of supervision in the children's care, children being removed due to physical abuse, an incident where she shot herself in the foot so Caldwell would conclude her investigation the same day that she read this report and indicated the case will not be open by Missouri Department of Social Services without any explanation. Caldwell did check that they were homeschooling their children. And it does state that children being homeschooled are at a higher risk of neglect. DSS services were not provided. Caldwell did not provide any information other than a phone number to a counselor. The school liaison for Adrian was not notified, even though none of the school-age children were attending school. Michael would claim that they all attend Jones Academy, but these children were not attending any kind of school. On April 8, 2013, 
Caldwell's supervisor signed the DSS form prepared by Caldwell containing her investigation results of the fifth call, indicating his approval of her conclusion. Neither Caldwell nor Penny followed up with the Jones family to determine if Adrian was safe or attending school or receiving appropriate medical care. July 2013, the sixth call, the second to DSS. On July 8, 2013, DCSS received the sixth call reporting emergency abuse and neglect occurring at the Jones-Plattburgh address. The caller exclaimed that the stepmother, Heather, is beating the living daylights out of the kids for no reason. With the use of objects, it was also reported that the stepmother sells meth out of the home and the children are unattended, either locked outside or locked in a room. The report stated that this type of abuse was happening more than once. DSS assigned the sixth call a level two response. And DSS caseworker Caldwell was assigned to investigate with Penny as the supervisor again. However, a caseworker by the name of Heather Miller went out to the Jones home on July 8th. And Michael and Heather claimed Adrian was not home. They claimed he was out with his uncle Willie. Miller left without speaking to Adrian. However, Miller returned on July 17th with a Clinton County Sheriff officer because on her first visit to the Jones residence on the 8th, she was advised by Officer Jackson, who was familiar with the Jones family, told her never to go to that home without at least two officers for safety reasons. So with officers in tow, caseworker Miller returned to the home nine days later to visit with Adrian. When she arrived, she was greeted at the door by another family member who was babysitting Adrian, whose name happened to be Willie Flowers, the uncle who was supposedly entertaining him outside the house on the 8th. Michael and Heather were not home at this time. According to documents, the social service employee sat down with Adrian, who immediately told her his dad would beat him. Adrian would say, sometimes my dad kicks me in the back of my head and little bones come out. Adrian told the worker, my daddy keeps hitting me in the back of my head and punches me in the stomach. And my mom keeps pulling my ears and it really hurts. The state documented that Adrian also told Heather Miller that his stepmother would throw him on the floor and be really mean to him. During that interview, Adrian also said his parents would lock him in his room at night so he couldn't get into the kitchen to get food. According to the report, Adrian stated 
He was even locked inside a closet at times. Poor Adrian would say, mommy and daddy can't feed me. I have to sleep without pillows and blankets. Shortly after that statement, Adrian's parents arrived. Adrian changed his story. When Miller questioned Michael and Heather about Adrian's statements, the couple denied any physical abuse, but admitted to locking Adrian in his bedroom, calling him a problem child. The Joneses said Adrian had a mental health issue. His stepmother would say the little boy threatened to kill and harm his sisters. Stepmother also said Adrian was hospitalized twice and that he was ordered by a physician to lock him in his room. The social worker suggested the family use another means to protect Adrian and his siblings. She also ordered a physical exam for Adrian that included x-rays. The exam was completed the following day. The doctor did not find any signs of physical abuse. However, the record showed no x-rays were done. According to Miller, the agency could not ensure Adrian's safety if he was left in that family's home. There were concerns that Adrian would be targeted because he was not Heather's biological child. The documents also show Heather previously lost custody of one of her biological children due to abuse. This child was taken from her when she took the child to the ER and tried to blame the abuse on Adrian. Adrian and his siblings were all homeschooled, which according to the agency would increase the risk of abuse going undetected. The same day Adrian was examined, the social worker contacted the juvenile office to ask if they could take over protective custody of Adrian. The social worker documented that the juvenile office responded within minutes. The record shows that the juvenile office thought Adrian should stay in the home. Due to the child's mental health concern and the family being honest about locking him in the room as a way of addressing his mental illness, the juvenile officer would prefer the children's division develop a safety plan with the family and attempt intensive in-home service. The central database accessible to all DSS caseworkers maintained by Missouri's Department of Social Services contained a severe history of abuse and neglect of Adrian by his father and stepmother. Numerous hotline calls in Missouri documented removal of children from stepmother in Kansas due to child abuse and a history of denial by father and stepmother of said abuse and neglect. The safety assessment marked Adrian as unsafe in four out of 11 categories, which included being in danger because parent or caregiver's behavior is violent or out of control. The investigation found a preponderous amount of evidence that Adrian was a victim of neglect. The records show that Missouri welfare officials 
said in 2013 that they did not think they could ensure Adrian's safety at the Jones home, but that a county juvenile officer suggested the family be provided more services. While Michael and Heather agreed to accept services from Missouri Child Welfare System, within a few weeks, the couple began skipping appointments and were no longer cooperating. The records show the agency made multiple attempts to contact the family. When they finally reached the couple, Michael and Heather told them they were no longer living in Missouri and had moved to Kansas. The investigation on the Missouri side was closed. However, Kansas was contacted. This concludes part one of the case of Adrian Jones, a child who lost his life way too soon. Please go to our website, beyondevilpodcast.com for source links, images, and case notes. Please consider yourself warned. You cannot unsee the images that are posted. They are very disturbing. We are not trying to sensationalize any of the events by publishing the images. And we do not want to further victimize anyone involved. My goal is accountability. The social services network and government systems that should be protecting children failed Adrian. By publishing this case, I hope to shine light on these failures. Please return next week for part two and the final part to the case of Adrian Jones. The YouTube highly opinionated, uncensored, or edited version of this podcast will be released after part two on YouTube. Please leave a review or a comment. I would greatly appreciate it. It will do nothing but help me grow and understand your wants and needs. If you have already, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you have not, please subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to Beyond Evil Podcast. Thank you again for listening and be safe.